0: It is so good to be uh, back here. Uh, This morning, the month of July has been uh, crazy for me. Um, As most of you know, I did a wilderness week of camp, and uh, then I had a Costa Rica mission trip, and then last week I was at uh, CIY with a group of our high schoolers. A great week that uh, it was. I, I love to uh, be able to, to travel and to do those things and spend time with our young people to know what they're thinking and, and what's going on with them because uh, they are the church just like all of us are. Like they have an important role and an impact in the kingdom of God to play and just to spend a week with them and see them uh, to to be able to say, Hey, I want to follow Christ with everything that I have. Um, the theme this week at CIY was Jesus is for all uh, forever. And we looked through the Gospel of John, um, really the, the whole book over the course of the week, and talked about that Jesus is for everyone. Like from Nicodemus, the religious Pharisee, guy who thought he knew everything, uh, to the woman at the well who was probably as far away from God as you could, could get. Being a Samaritan and having had five husbands in the past, and the guy she's living with wasn't even her husband, um, but Jesus was for them. And we looked more specifically that Jesus is for us individually, like he's for, for me. He's for you. That, that no one is outside of, of that. Because so often it's easy for, for any of us to say, you know what, God's for you, but but I know what I've done. I know where I've been. I know what I've said. I know what I've thought. Like there's no way God could be for me. So we looked at, at that and, and how God really is for us as individuals And then we looked at how God is for us collectively as as the church. And we looked at the prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapters 15, 16, and 17, where he said, I pray for for my disciples, but not only for them, but for everyone who would hear the message, that they would be unified, that they would be united as one. And he said, "When when we're united as one, the world will take notice. The world will see that. Like, why would anyone want to be a part of something, even the church, but anything? Why in the world would anyone want to be a part of an organization, of a team, of a, of, of a culture or a group that's fighting and bickering and arguing and, and backstabbing one another and talking bad about each other? No, Jesus said the world's going to take notice of his church when they become united, when they become one. And Jesus is for us as a church to do that. And we kind of talked about that He's forever. Like, his kingdom is not going to end. And what we have here is, is temporary, but his kingdom is permanent. It is forever. And some of the, the people we talked about, some of the people that we're fighting and arguing and, and don't really like, man, I mean, we may hate heaven because they're going to be there too. Like, so we, we might as well get un, unified here. And so during the week, we, we talked about those things. And we also, uh, CIY was partnering this year with a group called the Mustard Seed um, and they're a church planning group out of Joplin, Missouri, but they're planting churches in the country of Japan. And um, 96% of people in Japan have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this, this group, the Mustard Seed Group, they're planning churches. And one of their, their main goals is to work with a group of people called the Hakiki More. And it's a million people in the country of Japan who are losing the war in their mind. So bad that, that this million people, like, they will lock themselves in their rooms and never come out. because you know, They're full of fear. They're full of anxiety. They're full of um, worry. And, like, and they, they do not come out of the room for anything. And they filmed a video of, of one of these girls who had locked herself in a room, like, and her mom just standing at the door begging her to come out year after year after year and nothing. Like not, doesn't come out to eat, doesn't come out to go to the bathroom, like stays in that room like it's a prison because this war in her mind is so real and she can't win. And it's over a million people in the country of Japan. And so when we talk about winning the war in our mind, and that's what we're talking about in this series for the last several weeks, like it's real. And, and what do we know about the war in our mind? We know that most of life's battles are won or lost, in our mind, that we know it's impossible to live a positive life when you have a negative mind. And listen, and that can be a problem when when the negative thoughts and and irrational worries like run through our minds so often. And I wonder how many of you can relate to irrational thoughts and runaway fears that often just consume your mind. Because I can. And I don't know what it'd be for you. Maybe it'd be something that's very, very normal, like you're a student and you're worried about making a bad grade on a test because if you know if you make a bad grade on a test, then you're worried you're not going to get into the right college. And if you don't get into the right college, you're not going to have the right job. And if you don't have the right job, you're not going to find the right person to marry. And if you don't find the right person to marry, you're going to have the wrong kids. And the wrong kids are going to need braces, so you've got to spend money to put braces on them. And then you can't afford to pay for them to go to college, so they're going to wind up in prison. Like, and then that gives you a headache, And speaking a headache, then like, I mean, maybe I have a brain tumor, like I need to go see somebody, like about that. Like, and I'm exaggerating, but not a whole lot, right? Like our minds become irrational sometimes. And we may be joking about getting a bad grade, but watch the news or hear what happens in, in someone's life someone that you know and, and that you love, or, or you're fighting for a good marriage and you're wondering if it's ever going to happen. You got more bills than, than you know how to pay. You're trying to make some kind of decision about, about the future, and it's so easy for your mind to race and become filled with anxiety and worry. And I'm so glad that the word of God deals with this. And we're gonna be reading again from Philippians chapter 4. And remember, the context of this is Paul's writing this from a Roman prison. Like he is chained to a guard 24 hours a day. He's awaiting his, his potential execution. And he said these words in Philippians chapter four. He said, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or worthy of praise, think about such things. The the title of today's message is Calm My Anxious Mind. God, please calm my, my anxious mind. And so let's talk about worry, let's talk about anxiety, and let's talk about the mind. And we've talked about a couple of key thoughts through this series, and one of those key thoughts was is that your your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, which is really good news if your thoughts are good and helpful and positive. But it's also really bad if you have a negative mind. And so what do we know about the mind? And we're going to talk about some science today and some, some scripture today because I think God is the God of science as well. And in our mind, and, and listen, I'm not this smart. Like I've stolen all of this stuff. I'm just going to be honest. Because when I think about the brain, like it's like water boy for me. Like why is, that, why is the alligator so mean? He's got so many teeth. Like my mama said. like that's So, so this is stuff that, that I've found to be true. And in our brain, there's this little almond-shaped portion of our mind, and it's known as the um, amygdala. See? I can't even say it. Amygdala is what it is. And it's an interesting part of the brain. It's kind of shaped like a little almond, um, and it's the part of the brain that's wired for survival. So if you've ever had this um, thought like you, you want to run or you want to fight, it's because the amygdala is engaged. Like anytime that you're in danger, God has given you this, this portion of the brain that says, hey, I need, you need to be protected. Like you need to do something now because this is dangerous. And so you get this little burst of adrenaline from it, and you either fight or you flight, is what it's called. So, for example, if you see a, a poisonous snake, or if you're me, any snake, it could be a worm. Like it, it, my, it, that thing kicks in and it tells me to run fast, like run, 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 run. Or if you're driving and and someone starts to swerve over toward you because they're texting and not paying attention, like you, you, your amygdala kicks in and says, "Be aware, be alert. This guy's crazy." Like that's what happens. Like God gave us this portion of our brain for protection. The problem is that this amygdala uh, is not objective. It's simply hardwired to protect. Like that's it, and it's very easily triggered. So I'll give you an example about how the mind works. When I was younger, like five, six, seven years old, I was still I was playing baseball, but it was kind of like the t t ball or the coach pitch stuff. Like, and I remember watching my older brother, who they were playing, and they were like pitcher pitching and pretty fast. And and I sat there behind the dug, the backstop one day, and I watched my brother. He was in the batter's box, and he was standing there getting ready to bat. And the pitcher threw the ball, and it hit him right in the nose. I mean, blood everywhere, like broke his nose, scared me to death. Every time I stepped into the batter's box, you know what happened? That little amygdala kicked in and said, this pitch is going to hit you in the face. So here's how I would try to bat. The pitch would be coming, and I would go like that. Like, and you can't hit that way when the amygdala has been kicked in. Like, but that's what it was. It was saying, hey, get out of the way because this pitch is going to hit you in the face. So like I went my whole baseball career and I never had a hit. And now like it didn't make any sense because my brother at that point was the only person I'd ever seen get hit in the face with a ball. And he stepped back in there and played. But that response in my brain was, it's going to hit you, be alert, get out of the way. And that's why that, that part of our brain, the amygdala, needs a little help from something else that God has given us and it's called the prefrontal cortex. And this is the logical part of the brain. Like, this is the part that tends to think logically. So if there's a noise at night in the house, the amygdala screams, hey, you're going to die. And, but the prefrontal cortex steps in and says, no, it's probably the cat. Like, you don't need to be worried about that. There's very logic. So, so the amygdala is all about panic, and the prefrontal cortex is all about logic. But the problem is that, that it's, they're both pretty... Um, susceptible to pre-programming. So in other words, if you had my experience, you'll tend to believe that baseballs are dangerous. And I don't know what it'd be for your life. But for some of you, there is a hurt or some fear or some trauma or perhaps maybe even a misunderstanding, something that's happened to you. So my guess is that there are certain places or people or events or some type of news that triggers you and you feel anxiety and fear and tension. And you don't even know why. Like your mind can race to the worst case scenario where you find yourself short of breath and and panicking and wondering and trying to control things that you can't control, completely overwhelmed by just your mind running away. That's why Paul said this from a Roman prison. He knew what it was like to have a runaway mind. So he said, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious about anything. If it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. He cares about you more than you can imagine. He says, in every situation, by prayer and petition, present your request to God with thanksgiving. To guard your heart and your mind. It's crazy to me, though, that so often, and even Christians, that we undervalue the power of prayer. I see it all the time, being in a situation, things are going bad, and someone will say, well, all we have left is prayer. All we can do now is pray. And I can almost imagine God going, and you think that's Nothing. Like, I'm the God who created the mountains. I'm the God who can raise the dead. I'm the God that can heal blind people and and bring about sick. Like, I'm the God who can do immeasurably more than you can ever ask or imagine, and that's all you can do? Like, no, prayer is powerful. And as followers of Jesus, we have to recognize that prayer is never our our last line of defense, that it's always our first line of offense. The author of Hebrews said this, let us approach the, the throne of grace with boldness and with confidence. We can come in prayer boldly to God with confidence. James said this. He said, you don't have because you don't ask. You haven't prayed about it. Prayer is always powerful. Not only does prayer move the heart of God, but prayer also changes the chemistry in your brain and i'm going to say that again because it's important but not only does prayer touch and move the heart of god but prayer can actually change the chemistry in your brain you know for it's fascinating to me that for for decades neurologists believed that your brain didn't change after adolescence like how many of you are glad that your brain changed after adolescence like i don't know about you but i am glad that my brain didn't freeze when i was 15 years old <laughs> But our brain continues to change and continues to, to rewire itself. And we talked about, um, two weeks ago, we talked about some of the neural pathways that are, that are there and that, that we can change those. The more we think a thought, the easier it is to think that thought. So we can, we can change those. And there's actually a, a study or a science called neurotheology that, that is all looking about the brain and about God. How does a belief in God affect the brain? And there's a, a doctor, Dr. Carolyn Leaf, she said she has a book called Switch On Your Brain, and she said this, and it was amazing to me. She said it's been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain so much that it can be measured on a brain scan. So not only does prayer touch the heart of God, prayer actually changes the brain. So just as, as toxic as negative thoughts are and they harm your brain, prayer heals your brain. It transforms your brain. It literally renews your mind. So why do we worry? Why do we find ourselves so, so anxious? And for followers of Jesus, and, like, and we should completely trust in God, why is it that our minds tend to run away sometimes? Why is it that they get irrational and science tells us that in many cases, what we're experiencing is an amygdala hijack. Like that, that little portion of our brain that's shaped like an, an almond that, that says, hey, you need to be protected, you need to be warned, you need to be get out of there, like it gets hijacked. And it's just constantly sending out these vibes that you're in trouble, you better take control, you better work harder, you better stay up till two in the morning and worry about this because if you don't, it's only going to get worse. Like science literally tells us that we're experiencing that amygdala hijack. And scripture would tell us this, that our mind is dominated by sinful thinking. In fact, what's the definition of, of worry? A simple definition of worry would be this, that worry is the sin of distrusting the promises and the power of God. Worry is essentially saying, God, I don't trust you. God, I don't believe your goodness in this situation. God, I don't believe that you care about what I care about. Like, I don't believe you're going to come through for me. So I'm going to worry about this because ultimately, God, I don't trust you. And so instead of letting my sinful nature control my mind, which is what happens so easily, what I want to do as a follower of Jesus is I want to choose to let my spirit direct my thinking instead of letting my sinful mind come up with all kinds of fearful possibilities i'm like going to choose the holy spirit that dwells in me to direct my thinking so i'm going to let the logical part of my brain the part that's there i'm going to let it choose to be spiritual i'm going to t- tell my prefrontal cortex that you think on what is true you think on what is right you think on what is excellent you think on what is praiseworthy I love what what Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. And again, this is the Apostle Paul. He says this, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and to peace. And that's why we're going to take every thought captive to Jesus Christ. From a scientific standpoint, like we're gonna let our prefrontal cortex grab the amygdala by the tail and say, you quit being irrational. You choose to be spiritual. Like we're giving this to God. Like I'm choosing God by faith to trust in you, to believe in you, to give you my my worries, to give you my fears, to give you my burdens, even when the irrational fears creep in. And we're gonna take it captive And we're going to make it obedient to Christ. We're going to let the Holy Spirit direct our thoughts. Like if you were to ask me, like, Josh, what is it that that you worry about? Like, I've got all sorts of different things that worry me. And it's a little bit embarrassing to tell you sometimes, but you guys like when I'm embarrassed, so I'm going to do it. But but listen, like I love Jennifer so much. Like I do, and sometimes when, when she's running late, which happens pretty regularly, sometimes my mind starts to wander, and I worry, is she Okay. Did something happen to her? And like, my mind can go to the most ridiculous direction, like was she hurt or killed in a car wreck? Or, or the same thing is true about my kids. You send them out in a car, like, and you know how it is when you send a 16, 17-year-old out in a car and, and, and they don't know how to drive yet, really, even though they think they do. Like, but you, you worry about them. Like, did they get in an accident? And what I have to do is I have to say, God, like, you love these kids more than I do. Like, I've got to trust you with them. Another thing that weighs on me is spiritual responsibility of leading the church. Like, every, every week it seems like I see another preacher who's falling or failing and, and having some type of moral failure and giving the name of, of the church and the name of Jesus a bad rap. And that weighs on me. I'm always aware that I'm representing God and that that what I do matters. And a lot of times, like, I worry about it. Like, I don't want to let God down. I don't want to ever hurt the name of Jesus. And so it's heavy on me. And so so those are some of my worries. And and what do I need to do? Instead of just giving my worries to God, what I want to do is even more than that, I want to give my whole life to God. I want to give everything I have to Christ. Like, my whole life belongs to him. My whole life, everything. Like, I trust him. I believe in him. He's good. He's always faithful. And some of you are going to say, well, that's irresponsible. You're just living in denial. You've got to be more responsible than that. And here's my philosophy. You can adopt this if you want. But the first thing is, like, I want to do what I can do. Like, that's it. Like, I'm going to do what I can do. In other words, if you have an exam coming and you're stressed about it, like, you just don't say, hey, I'm just going to trust God with that. You study and study and you study and you study. You do what you can do. And, and that's what I do. Like, I'm not just going to pray about it. Like, God, I praying pray that I get in better shape. No, like you're going to eat right. You're going to exercise. You're going to watch what you put in your body. Like you got to do what you can do. And the second thing is that like, I'm just going to trust God with what I can't do. Like If I can't do something, like I'm just going to trust it to God. Like I'm giving it to God. So I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to trust God with what I can't do. And then finally, I was, like, I'm, really, I'm just going to trust God no matter what. Like, no matter what. Because of who he is, because of his character, because of his nature. Like, God, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to give you the rest. And then I'm just going to trust you. And I've always said that, that my responsibility is obedience. God's responsibility is results. Like, I'm called to be obedient to God. He's responsible for everything else. And no matter what, I'm gonna trust him because of his goodness, because of his promises, because of his faithfulness. Like, I'm just gonna trust him no matter what. So what I want you to do for just a moment is I want you to imagine just a heart of peace. I want you to imagine, like, a life filled with unending joy. I want you to imagine peace of mind that comes from trusting in God. And I want to tell you it's possible. And it's also a choice. It's a choice. You dominated by the sinful nature or dominated by the spirit? And I just want to look over where we've been the last four weeks. If your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, do you like the direction that your thoughts are taking you? Do you like that? For so long, I didn't. My thoughts were dominated by, by negative, self-defeating thoughts. You're pathetic. You're not good enough. Uh, you're never going to measure up. You don't have what it takes. You can't keep up. You're overwhelmed. But Listen, if you don't control what you think, you'll never control what you do. So what are we doing? We talked about this, that we're identifying strongholds. Whatever the lie is that we've been believing, the dominant lie where our spiritual enemy is taking us out of the truth of God, like we're gonna identify that lie and replace it with the truth. And not just a practical truth, we're gonna replace it with the truth from the word of God. And then what do we do with that truth? We write it, we think it, we confess it, we believe it over and over again. We write it, we think it, we confess it, we believe it until it begins to renew our mind. So what's true about you? I said, If you don't know what's true about you, just let me tell you. You are not hostage to your unhealthy thoughts because the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. Our weapons have spiritual power to demolish strongholds. And what do you do? By the power of In authority of God, you demolish every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Listen, what I know is true about you is that worry is not your master. Why? Because you trust in God. His peace guards your heart and guards your mind and guards your soul in Christ Jesus. Like, you're not a slave to your habits. You're not a prisoner to your addictions. You're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. Like somebody like, listen, like you've been rescued from the power of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. Renew our minds. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. Listen, we also know that we can't control what happens to us, but we can control how we frame it. Like you can look at life from a negative perspective and say, this is bad, this is hard. Or you can look at life and say, you know what? Like God, even though this is bad and this is hard, God, you are good and God, I know that you're gonna trust me and we don't base our, our, our belief in God on our circumstances. We, pick, we frame our circumstances and our belief in a good God. That's what we do. And then as followers of Jesus, we cover everything in prayer. And we're not going to be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, we're going to present our request to God. And the peace of God, this is a promise, and the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It's the peace of God. Listen, the world can't give it to you. You can try. You can look everywhere. The world can't give it to you. But also what's true is the world can't take it away from you because it doesn't belong to the world. It belongs to God. It's the peace of God that transcends all understanding and it'll guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So as followers of Jesus, we're gonna let God empower us to win the war in our mind. And when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. We're stepping out of the lies of the spiritual enemy and we're stepping into the truth of God. And it's the truth of God that will renew our mind and will set us free. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And for some of you, the the truth of God today is exactly what we heard at C.I.Y. last week, that God is for you. That that you maybe for a long time thought, you know what, I don't know if God's for me. I may have done too much. The truth of God is that, that he's for you, that he sent Jesus to die for you, to pay the price for your sin, and you don't have to live in that guilt and shame any longer. For some of you, the truth is that that you need to be united, that you've let division, that you've let things of this world separate you from the church. Maybe you're here and and you're you're separated. Maybe you're, you're watching online because you're thinking, man, I don't know if I can worship with those people. Listen, it's time for you to be united because God is for us as a whole. For all of us, it's time to have our minds renewed by the word of God. Father God, today, I'm thankful that you can give us a peace that transcends this world, that transcends all understanding. Father, I know there are so many in here, watching online, even myself at times, that that our mind just goes irrational. It just goes goes off the rails. And we worry and we're filled with fear and we're filled with with anxiety. Father, today I just pray that we would control that, that we'd make every thought obedient to you, that you'd help to renew our minds and that we can live in the freedom and the peace that you offer through Jesus. It's in his name that I pray.